Matthew 14 and 29, and it reads as this. It says, and he said, come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. If I can encourage anybody today, just want to reinforce that Jesus said to walk on your water. Sometimes the things that we deal with in life, we tend to get caught up in the process of the ups and downs, the process of the ebbs and flows. We know that we go through certain things and certain points and times of our life. And after you've lived long enough, you know you can kind of identify when things are going to go up and when things are going to go down. You kind of can identify and you sort of get used to and prepare for the ups and the downs. Right? We have a saying that you're either coming out of a storm, in a storm, or going into a storm. Although that may be true, but if we look at the mindset that we're in, we're in a, always in a, a, a season of preparation for stormy weather. Rain, thank you. We're always in a preparation for things to be turbulent. We're always in preparation for things to be out of sorts, right? We're always preparing ourselves and getting ready for the hurt. We're getting ready for the pain. The way life kind of throws you around sometimes, you kind of prepare for bad things to happen. I can only imagine what Murphy was dealing with for him to come up with his law that says, whatever can go wrong. Oh, y'all heard that before. I can only imagine what Gumperson was going through when he said his law that the total opposite of an expected or desired outcome has more chance of happening than what you were trying to do, which simply means that you can start a forest fire by throwing a match, a cigarette butt out of your moving car faster than you can start a fire at your barbecue with three newspapers and two boxes of matches. I can only imagine what he was going through to, to come up with that, but we identify with that. We've, we know that no matter how many times we do something, a lot of times it's going to go wrong. We look at the law of probability that says if you do something a hundred times, I'm going to get it right ten times. So we're in a constant state of preparing and not only preparing but being conditioned and walking with a certain level of complacency with things being stormy things going wrong, things happening outside of our control. And with that, we try to engage with our own strength. We're already doing things the way we know how to do it and it ain't working, but yet because we found peace or what we consider to be peace, we found some level of solace, we found some level of tranquility in the midst of the storm and turbulence and topsy-turvy lifestyle that we figure we can do it again the way we know how to do it. Just hold on a little bit and we'll make it. We become accustomed to that. And a lot of times it keeps us from fulfilling our God-given assignment. If we was to poll the house now, and if we, let's not even say God-given assignment, your hopes and dreams just from being a kid. If we was to pass this mic right now to everybody and ask yourself, be very honest, what were your hopes and dreams and aspirations as a seven-year-old and what are you doing about them right now? Don't worry, I'm gonna say something positive. I don't wanna make us too sad. 
right? As a seven and eight year old, the dreams that you had about what you would want to do, would like to do, and things that you thought were fun, how many of those things have you actually done and are doing now? Life, storms, rain, wind. We get caught up with those things and we should, we should have some knowledge and understanding of what's going on because we shouldn't be blind to the devices that are that the devil uses to come at us. But we have to remember that when God says something, we have to remember that when God declares something, that it has no choice but to manifest because he's the one that said it. Regardless of what you're going through, regardless of what you're dealing with, regardless of your own abilities, if God said it, so it shall be. God said in Genesis 1 and 3, 6, 9, 11, 14, 20, 24, 26, and 29, they all begin with, and God said. God spoke his word and all of creation came to life. The cosmos, cosmic and natural laws were instituted by his word. In John 1 and 1, it reads, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. If we go back to Matthew 14 and look at verse 22, it tells us that Jesus said to go. Jesus told his disciples emphatically, go. Go across to the other side. Now that's what he said, right? So the word just gave a word for them to do something. We have to know that whatever God says should happen, will happen. If he tells us to go, trust and believe that you will eventually get to your destination. Verse 23 tells us that Jesus went that he went to pray and after he told them to go. Jesus always secured his directives to us with prayers to the Father. He never tells us to do anything and doesn't have it backed up by prayer. Jesus gives us a word but then goes has a word with his Father on our behalf. Jesus spent three years in this earthly ministry but he's been praying for us for over 2,000 years. He made three years of promises and declarations, but he's been praying for over 2,000 years to see us through. We look at Romans 8 and 34. It says, who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. One of the main things we can do as believers is to never get caught up with our issues, never get caught up with our problems, never get caught up with what we're dealing with. If we were to magnify Christ in his position seated next to the Father as much as we magnify our problems that are temporal on this earth, we would really accomplish some things in this land. And I'm speaking from experience, trust me. Speaking from experience, if we would spend the time magnifying God, magnifying Christ, highlighting who he is, where he is, and what he's doing, he is the son of God, he's the risen savior, he is at the right hand of the father, and he's petitioning on our behalf. If we would spend more time engaging in that, encouraging one another with that, then when we talk to somebody, we ask them what's wrong, and they legitimately have an issue, we can then encourage them with who Jesus is, where he is, and what he's doing. Right? Verse 22. Let's go back there. Matthew 14, verse 22. It says, in straightway, Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship, and to go before him unto the other side while he sent the multitude away. 
Why did Jesus send his disciples away? He gave them a word to go, but he stayed with the multitude and kept doing works. He told his disciples, notice the Bible makes a clear distinction between disciples and multitude. So now we understand that there's some level of separation and distinction between belief and unbelief. There's a distinction between follower and someone just being inquisitive. There's a distinction between someone who trusts and believes than someone who's a part of, you got to show me first. If we're going to be disciples of Christ, we don't need him to perform for us. If we're going to believers be believers of Christ, we don't need him to do no tricks for us. We don't need him to juggle and stand on one foot. We don't need him to balance things on his nose and recite the alphabet in Spanish. We don't need all of those different things because we trust and believe him because he gave his word. Jesus intentionally sent the disciples away with a word but stayed with the multitude to do works. The multitude needed to see him. The multitude needed to touch and feel him. They needed to see him be Jesus. They needed to see him perform miracles. They needed to see him do all of these things. Nothing's wrong with that, but when you become a believer, when you become a believer, one of my good friends preached a sermon that said, in the absence of evidence, I still believe. <laughs> I'm gonna go back and listen to that one. When you become a believer, it doesn't make a difference with what you're presented with because you believe. You, 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 don't need, you, you don't need him to keep showing you that he loves you. You take him at his word because of what he's done. I don't need you to keep doing all of I want you to keep doing these things, but if you ever decided to stop Jesus, I still believe. Even if you don't raise me from my sick bed, I saw you heal my family. Even if you don't turn my finances around, I saw you make a way out of no way. Even if you don't help me get my mind together, you kept my mind when I thought I was going to lose it. Even if you don't stop the enemy, I've seen you defeat the enemy. As a matter of fact, I saw you go to a cross and totally cancel the assignment of the enemy. So I don't need you to just keep doing these things because I'm a believer. So he sent the believers away. But he told the multitude. He said, I'm going to be here with the multitude. I'm, I'm, I'm going to send them home, but I want you guys to go. You guys go. Jesus expected his disciples to be able to function on his word. Right? When you have intimacy with someone, you're good with their word. Right? When you have that close relationship with someone, when you have that experience with someone, when you know every day you're going to come home, that person's there, and if they're not there, they're going to be right there in just a minute. Right? <laughs> I like that word, yet. That word, yet, means that you have a you standing on a strong implication that even though it didn't happen, you know that it will. So you're standing in expectation. Now, they didn't get here yet. My, my healing hasn't come yet. <laughs> that, that word yet shows a level of, of faith. That word yet stands in a level of power because that word yet cancels out all negativity because at some point in time, God will yet make a way. Y'all calm down, making me nervous. I'm spilling water. Well, see, it got too many preachers around here. Y'all, here, come take this from me. Give me five more minutes, then come take it from me. Now, let's look at verse 23. There you go. Oh, y'all already there. Media team, y'all on point. Y'all already there. Verse 23. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into the mountains apart to pray. 
He gave his word, then he went to share a word with God, went to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. Verse 24, but the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with the waves, for the wind was contrary. It was working against them. Verse 25, and in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them, walking on the sea. Now, hold on. Let's back up for a second. Jesus went, let's go back to verse 23. Jesus sent the multitude away, told he's sending them home, last whatever he's doing with them, sending them away. And he goes up to the mountains to pray. That's very nice, Jesus. That's very nice. Thank you for your prayers. But it goes on to say, but the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. Now hold on to that for a second, right? Hold on to that part. We're going to get to it in a minute. But remember, Jesus went to go pray, and he's up on a mountain, right? Let's, let's just get the perspective. He's up on a mountain overlooking this particular sea that he told them to go on and cross over, and they're in the midst of it, fighting with a storm. Now, he's on the top of the mountain, on the side of the mountain, elevated enough to see what was going on, right? But he's still praying, okay? He sees what you're going through, but he's still praying. Didn't do nothing yet. He sees what you're going through, but Jesus is still praying. Didn't do nothing for you yet, right? You still fighting, Fighting the way you know how to fight, you're still struggling, and the wind is contrary. Anybody got kids and one of them contrary, you know what I'm talking about. I didn't say which one, I didn't say which one, all right? You, you your brother, and your sister, y'all fight that out later. Right? The wind was contrary. You're fighting, struggling, not doing too good. Jesus is praying, but he didn't come do nothing. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them, walking on the sea. The fourth watch of the night. I'm sorry, I've stumbled on this all the time. Because the fourth watch of the night is about 3 a.m. He sent them away in the evening, which was about 6, 6.30-ish. So between 6, 6.30, and about 3, 325 in the morning, Jesus took his time to send the multitude away, go up in the mountain by himself and pray, watch them struggle in a storm, sat there long enough for time to pass, and then decided to start walking on all their troubles. What I'm saying to you is, is that when you know that Jesus is praying for you, when you know that Jesus has you on his mind, when you have submitted yourself as a believer, it doesn't make a difference what you're going through. It doesn't make a difference how long you've been in it. Just know that at some point in time, Jesus is going to use your situation as transportation to get to you. But hold on, hold on, before you get too happy, before you get too happy, let's look at Mark 6. Let's look at Mark 6. Let's look, check out the synoptic gospel. Mark 6 and 46 through, through 48. Now Mark tells the story like this. That part, he said, and when he had sent them away, saying Jesus has sent the multitude away, he departed to the mountain to pray. Okay. Now when evening came, the boat was in the middle of the sea evening there we go six somewhere around six six thirty they out there and he was alone on land but look what mark says in verse 48 it says then he meaning jesus saw them straining at rowing for the wind was against them now about the fourth watch of the night he came to them walking on the sea and would have passed them by Somebody tell your neighbor, Jesus said to walk on your water. Now you out there, and not only are you out there, but you're out there because 
you know who sent you. He sent you. He said, go. And you, being a believer, being acting out of obedience, you went. Then you get into trouble doing what he told you to do. He prays for you, but Mark lets us know that at some point in time, Jesus peeped. He did something because he said he was praying, but then it says he saw him. His eyes had to be open at some point. He saw them struggling. He saw them fighting. He saw them rowing, but they weren't getting anywhere. But then he didn't decide to move until about three in the morning. Does it ever feel like sometimes Jesus is just watching you struggle? Come on, we, it's, it is Sunday, right? It's Sunday. We, we should be able to be honest on Sunday. We can tell the truth on Sunday. What y'all do the rest of the week, that's up to you. But on Sunday, let's tell the truth. Sometimes does it seem like Jesus has left you out there for the wolves to come get you? I'll be honest. Sometimes it feels like Jesus has left me out there. And he's praying, but sometimes Jesus, if we were to be honest, Jesus, you do all that praying. Could you come by here, oh Lord? You praying to your father, but I'm praying to you. Get up, Jesus, come see about me. Come by here, oh Lord, come by here. Oh Lord, right? Right. And we have, we have precedent here in the Bible where it says Jesus was just looking. He's watching them struggle. But what we have to remember, there are times when Jesus will intervene just like in the other storm they were in, he'll intervene and stop the storm. But there are times when he's going to send us and he's not going to go. There are times he's going to send us and he's not going to walk with you. But he knows that he sent you based on his word. He knows that he sent you with his word and with his word comes provision. Jesus said, behold, I'm going back to my father, but I'm going to leave you with another. I'm going to send another. Jesus wants us to get to the point that we can learn to walk with his Holy Spirit who's constantly reminding us his word that we can fight on and go and be successful. Some storms, Jesus won't stop right away. And I think we all can attest to that. We can be a witness to that. No, he ain't stopping right away. Sometimes, Jesus will let the storm rage a while. When Jesus sent his disciples out to cross the other side, it was about six. He finally decided to go out, it was about three. Jesus waited a long time. But he came out there, according to Mark, but he would have passed them by. <laughs> so Jesus is walking on your problem. He ain't walking towards you. He's not walking towards you. He's walking on the thing, showing dominion and dominance over the thing that's bothering you, but he's not coming to you. Remember, you're a believer. You're a follower. And if Jesus is going in a direction, sometimes we have to learn to follow Jesus. Right? But look what happened. Let's look at verse 26. Let's go back to Matthew 14. Verse 26. It says, And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit. And they cried out for fear. So already now, in their troubles, they forget who he is. 
Because by this time, this is the second storm they done been in with Jesus, doing what Jesus said. But they saw Jesus go to sleep and wake up and rebuke the wind and then got on them for not trusting and believing. By this time, they've already seen Jesus feed a certain amount of people, have one of the largest fish fries known to mankind. By this time, they done seen Jesus, they done seen Jesus perform miracles. They've seen Jesus do all of these things and he was doing them at his word. So now when he gives his word, they go get in trouble and they forget. How easily do we forget when things start going wrong? We forget the word that came from the word. We forget to stand in the power that came from the one who has all power. Right? But they forgot who he was. And they said, it's a spirit. It's a ghost. Because that's the only one that can do this. So now they're diminishing Jesus. They're not only forgetting who he was, but now they're diminishing his power. We have to be careful that when we get involved in things that we don't diminish the one that we say is all powerful. Right? We have to be mindful not to mitigate Jesus just because we are going through some pains and struggles. Just because Jesus didn't heal you of that cold don't mean Jesus is not the perfect healer. Doesn't mean that he's not the great physician. Just because he didn't bring you out of that one situation does not mean he's not the deliverer. Jesus' ability to do what he can do is not predicated on what he's done for us. He simply is. He simply is. Let's go to verse 27. But straightway Jesus spoke, excuse me, Jesus spake unto them, saying, be of good cheer. It is I, don't be afraid. They knew it could have been Jesus walking in the water. And then Jesus told them, it's I, don't be afraid. But because of the winds and the waves around them, they lost focus. Luke 10 and 19 says, Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. When he said to tread, it means he's going to walk. You're going to walk on the snakes in your life. The things that come to try and put poison and venom into your situation. You're going to walk on the scorpions of your life. The things that come to ambush you and try to ensnare you. You're going to walk on your problems and your situations. But you have to be totally committed to who Jesus is in your situation. We can't abandon his power just because we seem powerless. But the crazy thing is, we hear Jesus telling us that we're going to do all these great things in the midst of trouble. But the only way to do all these great things in the midst of trouble is for you and I to be in the midst of trouble. Hear me now and believe me later. Figure it out when you get home, right? We have to go through some things. In order for God to get the glory that he deserves, we have to go through some things. We can talk about it all day long. Angels can tell how great God is. Angels can speak of his majesty better than we can. But an angel can't talk about how he delivered them. An angel can't talk about how he healed them. An angel can't talk about how he kept them. An angel can't tell about how he brought him out of the muck and miry clay. An angel can't talk about salvation. An angel can't talk about regeneration and justification. Put you in a place as if you just ne never done it. You see, we, we want to say, use me, Jesus. I'm here. I'm yours. Use me, Jesus. Then when he decides to use us, Jesus, stop. Don't do it. The only way you can be a witness is to be involved in what was going on. 
Where, where, where are my jurisprudence? My, all my jurisprudence people here. The only person that's accepted as a witness in a court case is someone who has been accepted by both defense and, and prosecution that they were visibly there. <laughs> when you've been in trouble, Satan can't get you out of the courtroom. When you've had the devil on your heels, he can't remove your witness from the court proceedings. When they call for a witness to how great God is, you have the right and the validation. Now, I'm going up there to tell my story. I can tell that I was able to walk on water and didn't drown because the boat that I was in sank, but the Bible says they made it on broken pieces. I can talk about the broken pieces. I can talk about the things that didn't go right, but I still made it out all right. We got to be witnesses. Let's go back to verse 28 and we're going to wrap this up. It says, and Peter's answered and said to him, Lord, if it be thou, if it be thou, still didn't believe yet. If it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. Now, first of all, you already are in this ship and you're not winning against the storm. The one you say you trust and believe is walking on water, walking past you telling you, yo, it's me. Yeah, I'm, this is me. Now, us sitting here safe would say, common sense would say, if you're failing in the ship, go follow the Savior. But when you're in trouble, even the sinking sand that you're in can seem like solid foundation when you know that there's stormy seas on the other side. Right? Verse 29. It says, and he said, come. Now, he never turned to him. He never walked back to him. Because remember, he said, Jesus is walking by about to walk past him. So he told, G he told Peter, come on. Come on out here. The water's fine. He said, come on. So Peter was come down out the ship. He walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried saying, Lord, save me. Peter didn't experience the promise of power in Jesus until he was willing to abandon all that he thought he knew. Because remember, they were fishermen. So being in a storm really didn't mean that much. Or let me not say it didn't mean that much. Being in a storm was not a weird thing. They've been in storms before. They've handled waves and wind before. But it was something about this storm that not only challenged, but was contrary to their experience, their talents and gifts, but it was so bad that they were willing to abandon who Jesus was and hold on to the very thing that's sinking. We have to get to the point where we are willing to, to separate ourselves from who we think we are. We have to live at a point in time, we have to live in a state of being that when things get beyond our own ability, that we trust God to give us the ability to get through, even if it's not the way that we think he should do it. That's how you know you trust Jesus. When he does something outside of what you think and how you think he should do it, but you still trust and believe, now you know you're following Christ. Because Jesus wasn't interested if you look at that, Jesus was not interested in getting in that boat. If he wanted to walk, to, he's already shown you he could walk on the water. The winds weren't, weren't bothering him. He was walking on the water. Now, Pastor, Pastor talked about this a couple of months ago. Look at the image. The water, in order for a wave to be a wave, one part of the water has to rise up and the other part has to go down. And then they exchange. 
So Jesus is walking on water because he's still in a physical body. The wind is still blowing. They said the wind was contrary, so it was blowing really hard. So however Jesus was walking, his garments were still flapping. He's walking up and down, highs and lows, but he's still walking. So they see Jesus being affected, but not being stifled, right? Jesus knows what you're going through, but it's not stopping him from getting to the destination. <laughs> He, he's experienced what you've gone through, but it's not stopping him from getting to what he said for you to go to. And we have to get to the point that we can abandon everything that we know and jump out the boat and go follow Jesus on the water. <laughs> Jesus was more interested in them abandoning what they knew and follow him than going in to help them with what they knew. Because if Jesus has gotten into the boat, then they could have said that we held on long enough to Jesus to get here. That's the problem. We keep thinking that we holding on long enough. No, no, baby, I'm sorry. If it wasn't for God's grace, there go I. Everything that I tried to do, it, the only reason why it didn't mess up because God wouldn't let it crumble. Everything that I tried to do on my own strength, if it had any level of success, it was because of Jesus Christ. And even when I failed and was miserable, God still caused me to be an overcomer. So we have to get to the point that we trust God beyond our circumstances. We have to get to the point that we trust God beyond our own experience. We have to get to the point that we trust God beyond our own two-by-four mentality. We have to trust, get to the point that we trust God beyond our own acumen and, and expertise. We can't handle what's out there in that world. We like to tell ourselves those things. We sing those songs. I beat the devil running. First of all, you ain't got no business racing the devil in the first place. I beat the devil running. You're not supposed to be racing them. The Bible says draw near to God and flee from the, and, and, and resist the devil and he'll flee from you. They ain't say go put on your track snooze and chase them. That means we got full of ourselves. We get full of ourselves and want to start doing things that we weren't meant to do. We were meant to walk in authority and establish God's kingdom rule on this earth. Jesus took care of the devil. We are to handle ourselves on this earth and bring other people along. Right? Verse 31, and immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said to him, oh, thou little faith. Now, Jesus still didn't take him on that boat yet. Jesus was expecting something from him. Jesus is expecting something from me. Jesus is expecting something from you. He wants to be there to help us, but at a certain point in time, he wants his believers to go walk in the word that he gave. He said, oh, ye of little faith, where did didst thou doubt? Verse 32, and when they were coming to the ship, the wind ceased. Then that they were in the ship, then they that were in the ship came and worshiped him, saying, of a truth, thou art the son of God. Okay? Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. But why couldn't they get out the boat and follow him saying that on the water? Thou art the son of God, lead us to shore. Because Jesus was going to where he sent his word. His word was not going to come back to him void. He said, go to the other side. He didn't say how you was going to get there. But follow me. There are some things that we're going to be faced with that we may not understand or see how we're going to get there, but we'll have to keep marching forward like good Christian soldiers because Jesus says, go and get there. He said, go and do. He said, go and evangelize this world. He said, go into the highways and hedges to the uttermost parts of Judea and the world and tell of them my goodness. He said, go back to your job and live as a light in darkness. He said, go back to your family and be the salt of the earth. He said, go and do these things. 
Yes, this world is getting crazier and crazier. First, it didn't just start. Let's dispel that. It didn't just start within the past 50 years. This world been crazy for a long time. We went from one end of craziness, now the pendulum is swinging to the other end of craziness. But it's been crazy the whole time. But we've still had the word to go out and subdue this world. We're supposed to take dominion based on his word. What he says, walk in it and see him give us the victory. Right? A lot of times we'd rather bind and loose a thing. We use that, we use that so much, I bind and I loose. Did you ever think that at some point in time, the thing you bind and loose is the very thing Jesus is telling you to go through? Some of the things we try to bind and loose, Jesus is saying, go through it. Because we don't, want, we, don't, we, we don't want to, and I said we, we don't want to experience that level of pain anymore. We don't want to go through it anymore because we see no reason for it. But the very thing that you're going through, someone is watching you go through it. And Jesus is building up your ability to witness to someone when they need to hear it. They are, the Bible is still the most, the most widely sown, sold book in the world, but there are more um, biblically illiterate people out there every year. So that means the word is being bought, but the word is not being read. Someone that I hold very near and dear to my heart used to say, the most scripture people will read is the life that you live. The most scripture that people will read will be the life that you and I live. So if that's the case, if that's the case, then why not, why not allow Jesus' word to work in our lives, we submit to his word, follow him through whatever storm that comes in our lives, but just know that he told us to walk on it. We keep preparing, again, let's go back. We keep preparing to either go through a storm, come out of a storm, or be in a storm. Jesus said, get up out of your own devices and walk on that storm. You may still be in a storm, but you'll be showing dominance over that storm. You may be in a storm, but you'll be showing that God has given you power over that storm. The Bible says that when the enemy, in Isaiah 59 and 19, it says, when the enemy shall come in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord shall lift up a standard against him. It doesn't say that God will cause the flood to recede or give us a nice boat to make it through. It said that the storm gonna be there, the flood's gonna come, but I'm gonna lift up my word for you to stand on over that thing that you're going through that you can keep walking. God is going to use the foolish things to confound the wise. So when we see foolish things going on, things that the world would consider to be foolish, we can't say, God, get me out. Just say, Lord, give me my feet to walk on this storm. Give me my sea legs. Let me be able to tread over this rough thing. Help me to be able to walk through this rough thing. Help me to be able to get through this thing that seems to be impossible. This thing that keeps making me cry. This thing that keeps making me, me go through these anxieties. Help me with my anxiety. Help me to dry my tears. Help me to keep pressing forward so that you are glorified because you told me to go. One thing, and then let's get out of here. See, if you notice, the wind never stopped blowing when Peter walked on the water. And the Bible doesn't say that Jesus ever rebuked the wind. The first storm they were in, it said that Jesus rebuked the wind and the waves, told them, shut up, peace be still. This time, Jesus didn't say, or the Bible doesn't say that he said to the wind or to the waves, cease. It's just that when they got back in the boat, everything stopped. 
Jesus had no intentions on stopping that storm. He had no intentions on bringing them, of bringing the storm to an end so they can get to where he wanted them to go. Jesus wanted them to see that his word is stronger than whatever they're going through. Jesus wanted them to understand that if you go on my word, no matter what this world puts in front of you, you can make it through. The Bible says that everything stopped when Jesus brought Peter back into the boat. So the, the test is over. It was over. They didn't pass it. Sometimes we come out of things and we shout, God brought me out. No, we failed that test. We come in and dance before they even get started playing. But truth be told, we didn't get the wisdom that Jesus was trying to give us. Because a lot of times Jesus will come and he'll get us, he'll stop the storm. But we didn't get the power that was in the storm. It's not until you're in your valley experience that you get provision. David said, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for thou art with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. But then look what he says that he gets in the valley. You're going to leave me beside still water. You're going to make me lay down in green pastures, nourishment, going to um, get water. That mean, and it's not, you notice it's still, you leave me by the still water, but still water doesn't mean that it stopped. It's just still because it's moving peacefully, right? So it's moving peacefully enough for you to drink, but it's moving, so that means it's constantly being refreshed. Because <laughs> the water is, is not moving, it's stagnant, that means that it's toxic. But he said still water is still moving, so it's constantly being refreshed. New minerals are being filtered into the water. The water is being filtered from all impurities. And this is what happens in your valley experience. He says, not only are you going to leave me beside the still waters and that you're going to cause me to lay down the green pastures to where I'll be nourished and be protected, but he said, you'll set a table before me in the presence of my enemies. So that means you're going to feast in the valley. It's not until you get into your problems that you eat your biggest. <laughs> you experience your biggest banquet when you're going through problems. Because when you go through problems trusting in Jesus, you get to see Jesus do the miraculous. Remember those things that he was showing the multitude? They may have saw some type of miracle, but they, those that went into the storm on his word, they was going to see him have miracles over life. They was going to see him have miracles over every problem. They was going to see him have power over everything that we look at as insurmountable. So when you're in your valley experience, look for your provision. Look for your power. Jesus said, I'm out here on the water. Come out here with me. Come out here with me. So that means you're going to walk in the power that I'm walking in. You're going to walk in the authority that I'm walking in. You're going to walk in the kingdom assignment that I'm walking in. Because Jesus knew he could make it because his father told him to go down here and be with us and declare his name to his people. So there was no way Jesus was going to die in a storm. So he was walking in his authority given to him by his father. So that means we can walk in his authority that's given to us by him. We can walk in our authority, right? But we only get to walk in that authority when we trust and believe in the worst of conditions. It's not until you get into your storm and your valley that you get your provision and your power. And when we get those things, we, when we come into those problems, we have to respond in faith. There's an expectation on each of us, each of us that love God and are in, that are the called according to his purpose. We can't respond to adversity like the multitude because there's a greater weight of glory that he'll give, that he'll get if we just walk on our water. We trust Jesus to save us, but do we trust him, do we trust him to sustain us or to support us in our troubles? Peter wanted Jesus to calm the water while he walked on it. Jesus says, no, be calm and come walk on the water. We want Jesus to calm the water. Jesus said, calm yourself and come out here with me. Jesus said to walk on your water. That thing that we're running from, Jesus said, go walk on it. He said, calm yourself because I'm here. He told him to fear not. He said, it's me. But he didn't go into that boat with them. He stayed on his problem, on their problems. 
He stood on everything that was, that was causing him to be fearful. He stood on everything that caused him to run and be scared and said, I'm out here. Fellas, it's me. Come on out here. Jesus is telling us now that he wants us to walk on our water. But you can't walk on your water if you aren't trusting him. You can't walk on your water if you're not living by faith in him. You can't walk on your water if you're not giving up your own experiences and your own talents and gifts for his word. Come on, you can stand. I'm done. The water that's in your life, Jesus wants you to be prepared to get out on it and let him determine when, the, when it'll be over. We have a time, we put a time limit on everything we're going through. And we'll pull out the scripture. In 24 hours, God's going to deliver. If we pray, it's going to happen. We're going to pray that prayer that Jehoshaphat prayed and heard back from the, from the prophet. In 20, by this time tomorrow, you won't see your enemy no more. For some of us, it's been tomorrow for about the past seven months and we still see that enemy. We still see that problem. And if it's not, if we're not being delivered from it, then maybe we need to get out and walk on it. Maybe we need to get out, maybe we need to get out and go do something about it. Not in our own strength, but follow Jesus. Which way is Jesus going? Which way is Jesus leading? Which way is Jesus, which way is he directing himself and you to go in? And then what was the ultimate destination? What did he say? He said, go to the other side. You're going to get to the other side. You're going to make it to the other side. You're going to make it to your destination. The enemy doesn't have the power to stop you. The enemy doesn't have the power to thwart you. The enemy doesn't have the power to cancel what God has put into place. But we just have to keep walking. We just have to get out and start walking. We can't sit and be in defeat, but we have to walk in faith and go in victory. Give God a praise.